Hello, my practical people, and welcome to another episode of The Practical Therapist. Today, I will continue with my current series titled Series on Dysphagia. During the remainder of this series, I will be discussing the different liquid consistencies. However, for this episode, I will be discussing thin liquids specifically. If you haven't already, I encourage you to go and listen to all the previous episodes where I discuss dysphagia in more detail. Now, let's get into today's episode. I'll start by answering the question and explaining what the different liquid consistencies are and why they are important when it comes to treating dysphagia. So in total, there are four main consistencies in the spectrum of dysphagia treatment. The first liquid consistency is thin liquids, which we'll discuss in this episode. The second liquid consistency is nectar thick liquids. The third liquid consistency is honey thick liquids. And the fourth liquid consistency is pudding thick liquids. So again, for the purposes of this episode, I'll be discussing thin liquids. And so you may be asking, what are thin liquids? Well, here's a hint. If you look in your fridge and grab a soda or pour a glass of water or even squeeze an orange to get orange juice and drink it, you are able to safely swallow and drink thin liquids. Thin liquids are essentially your regular, typical liquids. I've said this in the first episode in this series, but I'll say it again here. The main safety issue when it comes to dysphagia is the increased risk that a patient develops with being able to safely eat solids and drink liquids. Now, the reason that is, is because when a person is diagnosed with dysphagia, typically the timing of their swallow initiation reflex has been compromised to the point where it is no longer safe for them to swallow thin liquids without possibly choking and getting sick. So you may be asking, well, you know, what is a swallow initiation reflex? Well, it's it's basically how we swallow. So if you are a person who's never had an issue with swallowing, then as soon as you drink a glass of water, for example, your body's automatically going to begin to initiate a swallow reflex and trigger the swallow reflex in preparation for you to be able to safely swallow that glass or that sip of water from a glass. However, if you are someone who's had a stroke and subsequently you develop dysphagia, then that swallow initiation reflex may be compromised and essentially slowed down. So if it takes a typical person who does not have any medical issues, not, not uh, hasn't had a stroke or doesn't have a diagnosis of dysphagia, a typical swallow can occur in two to three seconds. However, Depending upon the severity of dysphagia after, let's say, a stroke, for example, just using the stroke example, because that's typically what I've treated patients who've had uh, developed dysphagia after a stroke, the swallow initiation reflex can be anywhere from four seconds to six seconds, all the way up to 10 or 12 seconds after they attempt to drink, let's say, um, a soda or take a sip of water from a, a glass. Therefore, what happens is the patient has already began to drink and the body doesn't necessarily register right away that, oh, there's something in the mouth. We need to get ready to prep the body for this swallow so the patient doesn't choke. And sometimes you could have a severe stroke, which results in desensitization of the area where the liquid travels from the mouth to the back of the throat and you can have patients who essentially will choke 
on their liquids. And that's called silent aspiration, where the body doesn't even have the cough reflex, that protective reflex to cough up whatever has been swallowed that has traveled down towards the lungs as opposed to towards the stomach. So again, if a patient's swallow reflex is compromised, then it makes their ability to drink thin or regular liquids compromised as well. So I hope I explained that well. Um, if not, um, you guys can um, let me know, leave me a message and give me the feedback on it. But getting back into thin liquids, putting it plainly, thin liquids are the least modified and least restrictive liquids a patient can have. Usually if a patient has been cleared to drink thin liquids, then there has been either one, a significant improvement in their ability to swallow regular liquids, or two, they've been cleared to drink regular liquids with some form of modification or adaption to improve their swallow safety. So examples of a modification could include therapeutic strategies. So let's say the patient has gone through feeding therapy with a feeding specialist, which is a speech therapist who specializes in feeding disorders, and they've been given visual directions, uh, visual instructions, or maybe a video recording that explains and demonstrates to the patient how to properly tuck his or her chin when swallowing regular liquids to decrease the risk of coughing on the liquid. So. Let me just back up a little bit and talk about that strategy. The chin tuck strategy is a tra uh, excuse me is a strategy that's fairly common. I've actually um, taught patients when I used to work in nursing homes and um, I did home health with adults. I've taught patients myself this strategy, where you take a small sip of liquid and then you bring your chin down towards your chest and you keep your chin tucked towards your chest until you swallow. And then once you've swallowed the liquid, you bring your chin back up. Or if you need to take multiple swallows to ensure that you've gotten the liquid down safely, you can take two to three swallows after the initial swallow and then bring your chin back up. So that is a therapeutic strategy that a patient may be given in order to be able to uh, safely swallow regular liquids. Now, another modification may be the inclusion and use of adaptive drinking equipment, such as a specially designed cup that controls the flow and amount of regular liquid that the patient can drink at a time. I've also recommended these type of cups to patients and their families. I've shown the patients where they can order the adaptive cup from a trusted therapeutic website. So they're not ordering, you know, something that's not going to be safe for the patient. And this has also allowed some of my prior patients that I've worked with in the past to safely regain their ability to drink regular liquids, although at this point they may need modifications. So in dysphagia treatment, this is the ultimate goal for a patient's rehabilitative potential, which is essentially to improve to the point where they can safely drink what they could before they became diagnosed with dysphagia. So again, ultimately the goal is to have the patient be able to drink regular liquids with no modifications or adaptions. However, that is not always the case, but in my experience, talking to these different patients and their loved ones and their family members who are helping to care for them, they are overjoyed when they learn that they can resume drinking regular liquids even with modifications. It's like the best news ever, especially when you've been put on more restrictive liquids, which goes into my next question as we head to the end of this episode. So what happens when a patient is not safe to drink thin liquids? What do they do then? Because you still need hydration, right? 
You'll have to tune into the next episode to find that out. This concludes another episode of The Practical Therapist. If you like this content, make sure to subscribe to me on Anchor, Spotify, and other platforms. Make sure to switch on your notifications to get informed of new episodes released as soon as they come out. And also, you can follow me on Instagram at Practical Therapy Solutions and um, on YouTube at The Practical Therapist. So I will talk to you guys soon. Take care and be blessed.